sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome to hour number two, the morning after live right here on this Tuesday, all across the sports grid network known as the Spiz Grizz and Sirius XM channel 159. That is the home for sports grid radio on Sirius XM. I am Ben Stevens. It is match day here in the United States of America, the U.S. men's national team in Qatar, the final match of the group stage against Iran. Team USA needs to win to advance to the knockout round. We'll break down that game in just a little bit here in this second hour. We'll go around the association, check in on the NBA with Brian Fonseca, and of course, it's never too early to look at the early lines for week number 13 in the Sunday slate in the National Football League. But to start off our number two, the collegiate capsule going around the country, both in college football and college basketball. Now, conference championship weekend in CFB is on the horizon but the regular season for most teams in the country has come to a conclusion which means that coaching carousel has continued to spin matt rule at nebraska luke fickle the surprise hire at wisconsin in one that should not shock us yet should leave a bad taste in our mouth auburn decides to hire hugh freeze the head coach from liberty back into the sec west on the plains as the new head man for the auburn tigers now As a football coach, Hugh Freeze is pretty good at that. This will be the third Auburn coach in the last four years. It speaks to some of the program dysfunction and the athletic department dysfunction there in Auburn, Alabama. Four years at a group of five school in Liberty. Hugh Freeze won at least eight games in all of those seasons. With Malik Willis as his quarterback, they were sensational at times as one of the best group of five programs. And Hugh Freeze has that SEC experience. He spent five seasons at Ole Miss with a 39-25 record, including two wins against Nick Saban in back-to-back years, 2014 and 2015. That is the reason, flat out, that Hugh Freeze was hired at Auburn because he left Ole Miss in disgrace. He had to step down after an internal investigation into Hugh Freeze in which he used a university-supplied cell phone to call a female escort service and during his time at Ole Miss the NCAA issued 21 institutional violations against the Rebels football program because of institutional dysfunction is how they said it he lost control of the program of the institution 21 NCAA violations that led to 27 vacated wins for Hugh Freeze at Ole Miss and oh yeah During his time at Liberty, just this past summer in July, he DM'd a survivor of sexual assault that was suing Liberty for the misconduct of handling her case. He DM'd her on Twitter to try to intimidate her. So yeah, the missteps, the baggage that Hugh Freeze carries, maybe not good enough to make sure that he can lead a football program, even if he wins games on the field. By the way, in his final season at Ole Miss, he had a losing record, just for what it's worth. But... As we have seen time and again, we should not be shocked by these decisions at the highest level of collegiate athletics. It doesn't mean we should not be disappointed 
that results on the field mean more than the person and the character of individuals set to lead programs and athletic departments. Hugh Freeze officially announced late last night there will be a press conference in either today, in a few days, whatever it is. Auburn has already hired a disaster PR firm for all the blowback they will and should receive. A welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience here, hour number two of the morning after, live all across the grid, Sirius XM Channel 159, and all of our terrestrial radio affiliates as well. I am Ben Stevens. As we transition to conference championship weekend in college football, not only is it going to be that coaching carousel that moves, the transfer portal is about to pick up as well. Michigan's Cade McNamara has entered his name in the transfer portal. He will be a highly sought-after quarterback at the FBS level for this upcoming college football season. We bring this up in correlation to conference title weekend because last year it was Cade McNamara that led Michigan to its first Big Ten championship under Jim Harbaugh in the Wolverines' first appearance in the college football playoff as well. Now it is J.J. McCarthy. He and his maize and blue Wolverines a 16 and a half point favorite against Purdue. The line opened at 14 in the hook in favor of Michigan, now all the way up to 16 and a half. That game, Saturday night in Indianapolis. Purdue against AP top two teams, by the way, nine victories, the most by far in the history of college football in the AP poll era since 1936. Michigan is ranked number two in the AP top 25. They will certainly be number two in the college football playoff rankings that come out tonight. Speaking of polls and rankings, a new number one team at the top of the AP top 25 in men's college hoops. It is Houston. For the first time since the early 1980, the Cougars, the number one team in all of the land. But some big movement in this poll. UNC, who was the number one team all year long up until this poll, slides all the way back to number 18. Purdue, after winning the PK-85 Invitational, up 19 spots to number five in the country. Arizona moves up 10 spots. UConn up 12 spots to number eight in the country and we see that slightly correlated to the national championship odds in college basketball as well houston entered the year a co-favorite alongside gonzaga plus 850 houston now the shortest price we have seen all season long at seven to one texas by the way ranked second not only in the odds board but in the poll as well a huge game for the longhorns against number seven creighton on Thursday evening. We go to college, we go from college basketball to Pro Hoops, the NBA, up next with Brian Fonseca. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Brian Fonseca's NBA focus live right here on a Tuesday on the morning after as our good pal Brian Fonseca joins us right now. We'll go around the association and maybe even Fonseca gives us a pick for the USA against Iran today in their third and final match of this group stage at the 2022 World Cup. Fonseca, thank you for joining us as always here on the morning after. Absolutely. Anytime you guys need me, I am here. You are the guy for that reason. The guy last night in Philadelphia, Joel Embiid. He has been the guy all season long. Pretty much all of his career went healthy for the Sixers and came up clutch in a big way last night 
against the Hawks as the Sixers win at home 104-101. for JoJo last night, Fonseca, in a big victory for the Philadelphia 76ers, who have now won eight of their last 11 games, three games above 500, a 12-9 record out east, a fourth of the way done here in this NBA season. What has impressed you most about Philadelphia in this recent stretch? Well, they were down last night, and it felt like they were going to slip. Earlier in the season, we're already in December, so we're not like that far in, but earlier in the season, it felt like that's a game that could have gotten away from them when it didn't last night. Last night, they were able to respond. They were down 197 with less than a minute to go. Joel Embiid gets the ball, sizes up Clint Capella, post up, post up, turn around, lay up, and then they get a stop on the other end. Joel Embiid gets the ball back, about 21 seconds left or something along those lines, pick and pop. Uh, the Hawks soft switch for some reason, and then DeJounte Murray is guarding Joel Embiid all of a sudden, which, you know, okay. Two dribbles in the lane, jumper, good. That's a game winner, basically, because on the other end, uh, Trey Young tries to alley-oop the ball to John Collins. And maybe that didn't work because John Collins didn't expect to get the ball because he hasn't gotten the ball a whole lot this year. I don't know where he's been. I don't know why they haven't had him as a factor in their offense, you know, consistently. Maybe that's the John Tim Murray effect with Trey Young. It is what it is. They're going to trade John Collins at some point. It's just my opinion. But anyway, they try to alley-oop it to John Collins in crunch time. Well, Embiid kind of like Sauce Gardner, just backs up, swats it out of the way. Uh, gets the interception and gets the foul shots and the Sixers actually win. And they've been better on this recent stretch. I, I still think, you know, Shake Milton has been a big part of that as well because he's yeah. really picked up from what you expect out of Tyrese Maxey, James Harden. Um, and he's been great lately. Like, he's been awesome these last, you know, five, six games in particular. And last night I tweeted out, oh, look, Shake Milton finally cooling off. And he was three for 11. And then he makes like six of his last seven or five of his last six shots, whatever it was from that point. <laughs> it starts going off and has 20 plus uh, in four straight games. The Sixers have been better lately. Uh, we'll, we'll see what it means. I still think that these records, you know, you can't. Everybody's bunched up in the Eastern Conference with the exception of the Bucks and the, and the Celtics who feel like head and shoulders above everybody else. But everyone's playing for that third spot right now. But ultimately, it's not even December yet, so we can't even get too far ahead with the standings. You just have to make sure your process is good and that you're playing well. And the Sixers have clearly found a little bit of something without Maxi and um, James Harden recently. It's a really big thing, in my opinion, for Philadelphia because Joel Embiid missed a couple of games in the last week as well. Shake Milton has been sensational. Tobias, Tobias Harris last night, 24-10 and 10 for a double-double. It seems like Philly is doing enough right now to stay competitive in the race in the Eastern Conference before Tyrese Maxey and James Harden return to the lineup for Doc Rivers and the Philadelphia 76ers. As we continue to go around the NBA, last night in Sacramento, a peculiar line to me, Fonseca. The Phoenix Suns were only a one-point favorite on the road against the Kings. Yes, Sacramento has been a surprising team to start this year, but now the Kings have lost three straight games. They're just a game above 500. Phoenix continues to have the best record in the Western Conference. They have won five straight. So, Fonseca, how would you try to explain why it was only a one-point spread in favor of Phoenix last night in Sacramento? I don't know. I'm generally not as high on the Sacramento Kings as a lot of other people are. Uh, De'Aaron Fox in particular really struggled last night. Like, there are just some teams that, you know, 
hipster NBA Twitter just picks as their darling favorites going into the season. Sacramento Kings being one of them that they thought that was going to outperform expectations and maybe they still will. But the fact that they're 10 and 9 doesn't surprise me because they reek of a 500-ish team, in my opinion. And I think that, you know, they obviously have some talent and they're fun to watch offensively and things of that nature. One of the most fun teams to watch offensively. And I really like the Monta Sabonis, for example. Um, Kevin Herter, (laughs) I mean, he's a very interesting player that the Atlanta Hawks, you know, did not end up keeping uh, and had to move him in the, in, um, in the offseason. But I think with the Sacramento Kings, like, they're fine. They're cool. They're fun to watch. But the Phoenix Suns, and they're another team that I didn't think was going to be as great as they've been so far. They're first in the Western Conference. They're also just 14-6. and six. You know what I mean? You have a couple bad weeks, and you could fall back in the standings. And that's what I mean about everything being bunched up. We're just 25 games into the season. I think we know the Suns are good, at least. Chris Paul hasn't been there, and they've been good. And they have probably the best shooting guard in the league. I feel pretty comfortable saying that Devin Booker is that right now. He had 44 points and I didn't feel, it felt like the Kings employed a strategy where, Hey, we're going to try to let one guy beat us and he's not going to beat us. And he in fact beat you <laughs> because I feel like they could have did more in trying to stop Devin Booker, but they didn't. Um, Malik yeah. Monk went off. Congrats to him. And they still lost the game. So Devin Booker uh, 49 against Utah recently had 44 last night. I think during that stretch of six or so games, he's averaging 31, seven and six. Not shooting well from three, but he's getting to his spots in the mid-range. And if nobody chooses to guard him, uh, then he's going to take advantage of you. And that's what happened last night. Well, take it. You see it there. The Dubs still the favorites to win the Western Conference. A quick one-team answer from you with maybe a tad of explanation on the back end. Who should be the favorite in your mind out West right now? Duh. Nobody. Uh, <laughs> that works. I mean, the, the, the Suns, I don't trust them. The Warriors haven't been that great overall. The Clippers need to get healthy. The Nuggets have too many holes defensively. The Grizzlies, I'm not quite there. The Mavericks have a bunch of holes. The Pelicans aren't ready. The Timberwolves stink. The Blazers can't defend. And the Jazz. So, nobody. That is your answer. Okay. Nobody should be favored right now in Fonseca's mind to win the Western Conference. Maybe... The Lakers? No, I'm just kidding. They lose last night at home as a four and a half point favorite against the Indiana Pacers. A triple at the buzzer from Andrew Nemhard gives Indiana the win on the road in Los Angeles. 116-115. Indiana Fonseca, four games above 500, 12-8. The Lakers, five games below 500, 7-12. Is the result last night indicative of where both of these teams are headed right now in the NBA season? It is for the Lakers, at least. I think the Pacers will come back down to earth at some point, but they're young, they're feisty, they're exciting. They have a legit backcourt of the future. We'll see what happens with Miles Turner, who's actually having a career season so far. So sell high, Indiana. Uh, 116-115, and that's after uh, the Lakers were up 101-84 to with less than 10 minutes left, which means that the Pacers scored upwards of 30 points within the final 10 minutes of the game. Their last possession was indicative of how things went because the Lakers just offered little to no resistance defensively. What happens is Miles Turner gets the ball wide open, top of the key, eight seconds to go, shoots a game-winning three, misses, kicked out. Tyrese Halliburton winds up with the ball because the Lakers didn't hustle. Cross-court pass, Ben, in crunch time. Left-handed. LeBron James is is just there in the lane, a half second late to come up. Andrew Nembard is there wide open and hits the game-winning three, 
And there we go. Another embarrassing Lakers loss. We can stop talking about them hopefully soon as long as they keep losing. And I hope that they do keep losing because I'm tired of talking about them. One of a one of 14 assists for Tyrese Halliburton last night to go along with seven rebounds in 24 points. This Indiana team is exciting to watch at least this year. Brian Fonseca, your NBA focus quickly here, though. Who wins the U.S. or Iran today? I'm going to go with the Americans and they need this one. Look, they need if it. you win, if you win then you deserve to move on. But if you lose, no excuses. So they got to win. Absolutely so. We'll We'll preview the game up next, the match up next with Davis Pat. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Just over three and a half hours away from kick in Qatar for the final match of the group stage for Team USA against Iran. Again, it's not a can't lose. It's not a can't draw. It's a must win for the Americans to qualify out of Group B and into the knockout round of the 2022 World Cup. A full-blown breakdown of that. And we look around the World Cup here as we enter the first day of the final set of matches in the group stage. Live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid with Davis Maddock, one of the co-hosts of Fantasy Sports Today. You can see FST in just about a half an hour here live on SportsGrid as well. Davis, how juiced up are you for today? The Americans and the Iranians in a must-win match for the U.S. men's national team. You know, I'm, I'm pretty excited uh you know and we talked about this last week i'm not like the biggest u.s men's national team fan but huge fan of the game right soccer favorite sport can't wait this this tournament's been amazing and i think the most important ramifications here are we need people super excited about this sport in four years because the united states and canada are are going to be joint hosting the world cup uh and i want that to basically be like the biggest celebration of soccer that you can imagine um, it would be amazing if the U.S. men's team, I mean, you know, you're thinking about the ages of these guys in four years, yeah. you know, it's, it's going to be, they're all going to be kind of in their prime, you know, mid twenties, mm-hmm. 26, 27. Um, so that's really exciting. And I think having some positive momentum heading into that, like, you know, a nil nil against Iran heading it, you know, it's like, no one wants that. Like literally not right. one person on earth wants a nil nil today. So I'm really hoping we get a little bit of a spectacle. Except maybe Iran, because with a draw, they get to go into the knockout round of the 2022 World Cup. But you're right. Maybe a golden generation type field or the second youngest roster at the World Cup for the U.S. men's national team. We'll get to that in just a moment. But as we look around the tournament so far here, Davis, the favorites entering the Brazilians. And even yesterday, in their second group stage match against Switzerland, without Neymar, they get a victory one nothing over the Swiss. How impressed were you by the Brazilian side yesterday still pulling off a win at the World Cup without their best player in Neymar? Well, I mean, I definitely think we can pretty confidently say that Brazil are, you know, they are, they are the best team in this tournament. Uh, they they lose their best player. And, I mean, they, they definitely did not look as good, um, you know, having mm-hmm. kind of, uh, they so what they did, and I would not have done this um, if I was their coach, but this is smart tournament uh you know tactics basically so they lose Neymar they replace him with a defensive midfielder Fred who plays for Manchester United and that's pretty much how the game looked 
There weren't a ton of shots. Uh, Switzerland honestly never looked like scoring, so I guess I guess they're they're probably fine with that. But I do think that you know if you're if you're a fan of England, if you're a fan of France, if you're a fan of Argentina or Portugal, I think you can look at that Brazilian team and be like, yeah, they're really good. But this isn't like you know uh, you know 1970 Brazil or or anything like that. Like you know they're starting a 37 year old at center back, uh, Alex Tellez and and um, uh, Alexandro at left back. You know these guys are these guys are fine. Uh, I, I don't think either of them would start for the U.S., for example. I think Anthony Robinson way better than than either of those guys. So they can be got at a little bit, uh, which I think is interesting. I mean, I think having one super dominant team is, like, pretty bad for the tournament. I, I, I don't want to know who's going to win before the round of 16 even starts. I'm not sure what the 1970 Brazilian team would have been priced at as the favorite to win the World Cup then, but this Brazilian team, plus 210, the shortest number we have seen on Brazil all tournament long over three dollars in front of the second best price for the reigning world cup champs in the french so davis when you look at that plus 210 number on brazil right now should they be this short at this stage of the tournament yeah i would i would definitely not i would definitely not bet that especially because i believe it's setting up uh assuming that argentina doesn't make a mess i believe it's setting up for brazil argentina uh, either in the round of 16 or the quarterfinal. Uh, and Argentina is the only team that has beaten Brazil in, I believe, the last 18 months. That was the Copa America final. Messi finally won his, uh, you know, his big international trophy. Um, I, and I don't, I mean, I don't love that matchup for either team, but just the fact that they have to go through each other. Honestly, if, if I was going to bet any of these teams on the board right now, I, it would for sure be Portugal. For me, I mean, they have looked extremely good in their last two games. And as I was talking about, you know, I mean, Brazil, France, like, and Spain has looked really good too, but you worry about Spain. I mean, very similar to what happened against Germany. Like they, they just have a hard time kind of fighting that cutting edge. Portugal look incredible to me. I mean, and, and they, they, I think they'd be a lot better if they were starting someone a little bit younger, a little bit more mobile in, in the space of Cristiano Ronaldo. I think we saw when he went mm-hmm. off yesterday and Rafael Leal came on, uh, they, they look like a much different team. But again, Ron can, you know, he can still slot away the chances. Portugal, to me, have been the most impressive team relative to their the baseline that I had for them coming in. Like, I didn't have them as one of these really elite teams, but they, they've been phenomenal. Portugal has already advanced with a 2-0 win yesterday over Uruguay. All right, to the 2022 World Cup today. Matches already underway in Group A, the final two of the group stage there. Netherlands has just taken a 1-0 lead over the host country in Qatar. But our focus, of course, Davis, Group B, the United States men's national team in a must-win game against Iran. With those three points, the U.S. on to the knockout round with a draw. Iran qualifies out of Group so as we look at the odds right now, the U.S. favored to win this outright, even money, plus 100. We know this is a must win, Davis Maddox. So what does the strategy look like for Greg Berhalter and company today? Well, I mean, I wish I could get into the mind of Greg. I, 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 I mean, it's a must win game. There's no difference between drawing or losing for the United States. So I hope that that gives Greg a little bit of courage. The move, uh, I, I would do two moves if I was him. I would start Brandon Aronson over Weston McKinney, and I would start Giovanni Reyna on the right wing 
uh, over Joshua Sargent or Haji Wright and then move Timothy Way a central. I think that is probably their best and most attacking lineup. I think you could even play so, – so the United States plays a 4-3-3, four defenders, three you know out-and-out midfielders, three attackers. I would probably move them a little bit more into a 4-2-3-1. That is, you know, three kind of attacking midfielders with one out-and-out striker being Timothy Wea. I don't don't think Greg is going to do that. But I definitely, I mean, they're they're either either Giovanni Reina is going to start or he's going to sub on way earlier than he did in the second match. I think uh, if I remember correctly, against England, he came on in the 80th minute. I mean, there's just no yeah. room. And I think more importantly. I would be very surprised if the United States defense is under any pressure today. Uh, Carlos Quiroz has been around international soccer for a long time. He is renowned for just having super stiff defenses and, you know, just basically coming and, you know, the old Jose Mourinho line, you know, coming into the stadium and parking the bus in front of the goal. He, he really has no incentive to attack here. Um, and I just... The, the way I would bet this, if you are a, a U.S. men's national team fan, I mean, obviously you can bet on them to win. I think that's a fair price. But I would bet the over on the shot props for all of the front three for Pulisic, for Haji Wright if he starts, for Timothy Weah, for, for whoever starts in the front three. Because what I am anticipating is basically just a lot of, you know, right outside the box, you know, curling in on, on your good foot, you know, 18, 19, your uh, eight yard shots, lots of corner kicks, probably from, from Christian Pulisic, who's been really bad at them thus far in the tournament. That's been one of the things that's really stuck out. You know, set pieces are so important in these international tournaments where goals are pretty hard to come by. And they've been, they've been pretty poor at, uh, at that. Christian Pulisic right now, plus 290 to score a goal in this matchup. Team USA will, of course, need goals to win this game outright against Iran. When you look at Christian Pulisic and you see some of these other numbers here, also to have an assist today for Pulisic, plus 370. Davis, what do you expect his role to look like today for the 11 for the Americans? You know, I mean, honestly, I, uh, I, I like kind of feel for him because this is sort of like a, you know, a Gareth Bale situation, you know, a Harry, like the, the whole footballing hopes of an entire nation are pretty much on this dude. I mean, I would assume a lot of the people watching the game today probably don't know anyone's name on the team other than him, uh, you know, as, as a second youngest team in the tournament. Uh, all, all the all the names you'd remember, Dempsey is gone, Donovan's gone, Tim Howard's long gone. Like he is, he's kind of the the great hope of the nation. And um, honestly, I I really hope he scores, and I hope he scores early. I mean, I hope it's like the eighth minute. He gets the ball fed for Musa. He makes a quick cut, puts it in in the top corner because I I just I can already sense the psychological you know insanity that's going to be. It's zero zero. It's the sixtieth minute. The United States has shot 13 times. They they haven't put one on frame. They've taken 15 corners, and it just feels like it's never going to come. It's going to feel like um, the Trinidad-Tobago qualifying game four years ago where they just kept shooting and shooting and shooting and shooting, and they couldn't score. They they had to score. They didn't score, and I don't. I really don't want that to happen. Like That just sounds like the least fun style of game to watch. Certainly so. It's going to be a very anxious 90-plus minutes for many that support the U.S. men's national team. When you know the strategies, Davis, of course, the Americans have to attack. We expect Iran to play a defensive style of football only needing a draw. When you look at the number of goals, do you think this will be a low-scoring match between Iran and the U.S.? I mean, it just totally depends on when that first goal comes. Like, if the United States scores early and Iran has to push, 
anyone's game. And if I ran, if I ran scores in the first half, like run to your live betting book and take the over because the United States is going to be putting like eight dudes forward because again, like, you know, the wins is all that matters. So this is, I think this is a good live betting spot. I wouldn't take either side of this right now yet. All right, Davis Maddock, more breakdowns coming from you in just a little bit on Fantasy Sports Today. Thank you for the breakdown here on TMA. Hey, thanks for having me, bud. And uh, yeah, everyone come and stay watch FST and we'll, uh, we'll see you back here pretty soon. See you very, very soon. More Morning After up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Football is front and center on this Tuesday live right here on the morning after. The football that we call soccer here stateside as we looked at Team USA and Iran in the final match of the group stage for the United States men's national team. But also on this Tuesday, it is never too early to look ahead to the lines for week number 13 in the Sunday slate in the National Football League. We do that as we do each and every Tuesday with Shannon Somerville, a sports betting host from Line Star who joins us here on TMA. Shannon, thank you so much for taking the time. It is a huge Tuesday in the world of football in many different varieties. We appreciate your insight here on TMA. Ben, I'm feeling frisky today. Last night I was sweating out a five-leg parlay. I missed it. Jonathan Taylor was supposed to have 99 total yards. He had 98. So that's just my mood this morning. Just warning me right now. 86 rushing yards, 12 receiving yards for JT, just barely missing that number. It was an interesting play call for Jeff Saturday, right? Third and short, trying to pick up that first down with 30 seconds left on the clock, not using any of his three remaining timeouts, and JT was stuffed at the line of scrimmage. But, Shannon, we look for better and more profitable numbers heading into this upcoming weekend in the National Football League. In a huge game in Cincinnati, the AFC Championship game rematch between the Bengals and the Chiefs. But unlike last January, the Bengals now hosting KC for this Sunday's contest in Cincy. The Bengals a two-and-a-half-point underdog. Shannon, Kansas City has won five straight games. Cincinnati has won three straight games. It is a short spread. It is a large total at 52-and-a-half. Will this game live up to the hype for Sunday afternoon? First of all, absolutely. It will definitely live up to the hype. I think the Chiefs are looking for a little revenge from last year's AFC Championship. I do anticipate the public leaning into the Chiefs in this one, so I'm kind of waiting until that number goes to around three and a half, in which case I'm taking the points and the Bengals. And that number is important because three of the Bengals' four losses have come by three points or less this season. Mm. But when you look at this Cincinnati Bengals team, this is the scariest offense in the NFL right now. In fact, they rank first in offensive DVOA over the past four weeks. So they're starting to look more like the team that went to the Super Bowl last year. And that's a scary proposition, especially when you consider some of their offensive metrics are even better than they were last season. Top three in both offensive success rate and EPA per play since week five. Yeah, they just beat the Titans. That was without running back Joe Mixon and without wide receiver one Jamar Chase. I haven't even started talking about their defense that just held Derrick Henry to 38 rushing yards, his lowest EPA per carry over the last 
five seasons. The Chiefs, well, they're incredible. Patrick Mahomes is having another MVP season. They are not unbeatable. I like the Bengals, the home team in this one. Mahomes, the odds-on favorite right now to win that Most Valuable Player award. He has thrown for at least 320 passing yards in six consecutive games for Kansas City. The Bengals have also been a great cover team as well, Shannon, since he has covered in eight of their last nine games. And again, they have won three straight. But KC is trending in a very usual and positive perspective right now in the AFC. Mm -hmm. The best record in the conference, the only team with nine wins, a nine and two mark for Andy Reid and company. And Shannon, as of this week, the Buffalo Bills no longer the favorites in the AFC title market. That would be Kansas City for the first time all season, all preseason, all summer, all offseason long. The Chiefs 10 cents ahead of the Bills, plus 200 for KC, plus 210 for Buffalo. So Shannon, what does it mean to you that at this point, entering week number 13, Kansas City is now the favorite to win the AFC? Ben, I'm going to go back to my English lit roots here and quote Robert Frost. who said, two roads diverged wow. in a wood. I took the one less traveled by. That's made all the difference. You like a little poetry on the show this morning? I do. <laughs> the road for the Always. Chiefs is called Easy Street, while the Bengals road is much tougher. The Chiefs, the one seed, is in sight. The remaining strength of schedule, according to opponent DVOA, ranks 32nd, the easiest in the NFL. So if they do secure that one seed, which seems kind of inevitable at this point the road goes through arrowhead in the playoffs and it's hard to count out a chiefs team where they're the home team in the playoffs that's for sure then the Certainly. Bengals, they have the yeah. toughest road ahead of them strength of schedule ranks first toughest of any team so those are where those two teams kind of diverge and the chiefs have a nice path ahead of them Kansas City, a minus 10,000 favorite to win the AFC West. That would be the seventh consecutive divisional crown for the Chiefs. They're a minus 170 favorite to be the number one overall seed in the AFC. They hosted the Bengals in that AFC title game in Arrowhead last year, something they have done now for four straight seasons. That is where Kansas City stands. Again, the Chiefs riding a five-game win streak, as are the Miami Dolphins, Five straight wins and perfect with Tua Tungabailoa when he starts and completes a football game. His head coach, Mike McDaniel, his first year in South Beach, going up against his former team and his former boss. McDaniel was the offensive coordinator in San Francisco last season. The Niners also riding a win streak. Four consecutive victories, Shannon, for San Francisco. They host the Dolphins on Sunday, a huge matchup for both teams. San Francisco, a three and a half point favorite. Shannon, what do you expect the result on Sunday afternoon to show us about where both of these teams are right now? It's definitely a good barometer check. It's hard for me to bet against a 49ers defense that hasn't allowed a second half point the past four games, and they've only allowed 40 points in that span. That defense lights out. And as if they needed any more motivation, not sure if you saw this, Ben, but former 49ers, now Dolphins running back Raheem Mostert had some words about his old team. He said, we have a quarterback who can actually sling it now, and we have way better talent here. As if that 49ers defense needed any more motivation. I'm not sure that was a smart thing to do going up against the number one defense in the NFL. It's kind of like waving a red flag in front of a bull. However, you know, do you offense this offense for the 49ers? I feel like it's kind of like one of those cars from Fast and Furious right now. And I don't even think they realize they have that Nas button 
NAS, I think it is, nitrous oxide, right? Yeah. So I think <laughs> that the 49ers come away with the win in this game. Hard for me to bet against the 49ers. And did we just forget that the Dolphins, they went through a stretch where they lost three games back to uh, week four, Bengals, Jets, Vikings. They narrowly edged out the Lions and the Bears weeks four to nine. They've won their last five. However, those wins have come against Pittsburgh, Detroit, Chicago, Cleveland, and Houston, none of which have a losing record, have a winning record, rather. The Dolphins have won five straight. They have scored at least 30 points in four straight over their last three, averaging nearly 35 points per game. So a really good scoring team against the best scoring defense in the National Football League. On this four-game win streak for the 49ers, they have not allowed a single point in the second half of each of those four straight victories. But the Dolphins right now, Shannon, playing in the AFC East. If the season were to end today, it does not. If the season were to end today, Miami would be the divisional champs, not the Buffalo Bills. Both teams have an 8-3 and three record. Buffalo still remains the odds-on favorite to win this divisional crown, but the Jets... Seven and four. The Patriots also above 500, six and five. So, out of these four teams, Shannon Somerville, how many make the postseason from the AFC East? Ooh, good question there. As for the Dolphins, I'm still kind of out. I think we will learn a lot in this 40, 49ers game. However, their offense is great. Third in yards per game. Their defense is an issue for me. 18th in yards allowed per play. 29th in opponent red zone touchdown rate. And their strength of schedule ranks second. They're at San Fran, then at the Chargers, so a tough West Coast swing. Then they're at Buffalo, Packers, and New England, and Jets. So they have a tough road ahead of them. And... As I mentioned, they haven't beaten a team with a winning record since week three. That was the Bills. So I need to see a little bit more from the Dolphins. As far as the Jets, as far as the Jets, I'm not entirely sold yet on the offense. I definitely think the defense is championship caliber. They definitely have a shot at the playoffs. I need to see maybe a little bit more of what Mike White brings to the table. Lastly, I think the Bills are going to be fine. They're nothing to worry about. This is a team that still leads the NFL in overall team DVOA. Their offense is second in yards per game and a defense that is fifth in scoring defense. Bills are going to be fine. A pro's pro. Transitioning us into the conversation around the man with the best fade in all of the National Football League. That would be Mike White. Sensational in his first start of the year for Gang Green. Now the Jets head to Minneapolis for a matchup against the Vikings. New York a three-point road underdog against those Vikes, Shannon and Somerville. The Jets have covered in all seven of their wins so far this year. Will New York, and Mike White specifically, keep it rolling against Minnesota? Well, I know that the Eagles offensive linemen put out a Christmas album, but the Jets are going to have a holiday song of their own called I'm Dreaming of a Mike White Christmas. Mike oh. White is the highest performance by a Jets quarterback the past two years and the Jets are road warriors they've won four of their five games on the road this season that defense is awesome ranks fourth in DVOA you got cornerbacks DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner they make up the highest graded cornerback unit in the NFL I am so pumped to see them go up against Justin Jefferson as far as that Vikings offense it's really you know hinges on Justin Jefferson right now mm -hmm. and so I think if they could shut down that big explosive passing game I think the Jets have a great chance of taking this one 
The Vikings, the second best record in the NFC right now, nine and two. Shannon, pretty much every week we ask you to evaluate the NFC title odds, but they've gotten a little bit more competitive. The Eagles still the favorites, mm -hmm. plus 250, but only 10 cents behind. Sam Fran, plus 260, and the Cowboys there within a dollar as well at plus 350. Shannon, do you believe the NFC championship race is as tight at the top as the odds would indicate? Yeah, I definitely do. I think the 49ers, this, they have come on lately. I love the 49ers as a play. Their strength of schedule ranks 19th, so definitely manageable. They've got games Miami, Tampa Bay, Seattle, Washington, Las Vegas, and Arizona. Definitely manageable there. The Eagles, they're also, they've also got an easy path. Their future schedule ranks 24th. Um, I do think it's going to get really competitive because all of the teams that we talked about, 49ers, Eagles, Cowboys, they have a relatively easy path over the next couple yeah. weeks. And you know, I can't get behind the Cowboys though. Second in penalties this season, as I talk about every week, it's hard for me to get behind a Cowboys team that seems to kind of implode late in games. And a Dallas Cowboys team that only has three postseason wins in the last two and a half decades and an NFC championship ticket is one that requires playoff success. Speaking of those birds, Shannon, a five and a half point favorite in Philly, against the Tennessee Titans. A ground-and-pound type game for an Eagles team that just ran the football for 363 yards. And the King, Derrick Henry, looking to bounce back against these birds with only 38 yards last week in the loss to the Bengals. What's the approach to this matchup between Philly and Tennessee? I actually think the Titans are going to cover in this one. I would definitely take the points. And the Titans in this one, the Titans have a great defense. I'm really looking forward to this matchup because have the best run offense in the NFL that runs through Jalen Hurts, who just rushed for 153 yards against Green Bay, going up against the number one run defense in the NFL in rush defense DVOA. I also think in this game, pace of play will be a factor. The Tennessee Titans, 30.8 seconds per play. That's the slowest in the NFL. So why does that matter? Well, think about when the Eagles have struggled, when opposing teams have just run the ball, run the clock, and kept the ball away from Jalen Hurts. It's a really good point. Tennessee also 8-3 and three against the spread, one of three teams that holds that best against the spread number in all of the NFL, and they're 4-1 ATS as an underdog. Shannon Somerville, as always, we appreciate your time and your expertise. A sports betting host for Lionstar. Shannon, thank you so much. Enjoy the match between Team USA and Iran. That's our focus for our best bets. Up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Close out our two hours together here, live on the morning after on Sports Group, and of course, with a best bet. Thank you for joining us all Tuesday long, live right here across the Spiz Grizz Network, Sirius XM Channel 159. That's the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. And we look forward to a huge, huge day for the United States men's national team. The final match of the group stage, Group B at the 2022 World Cup. Team USA against Iran slightly favored on the outright money line even money plus 100 to win because Team USA needs to do exactly that win or go home for the Americans today 
in Qatar. So how do we find some value for the 2022 World Cup? I'm going to give you a kick pick to end this out. So before we say farewell, before we say goodbye, with just about three hours left until kickoff in Qatar, it is time for a U.S. men's national team best bet. It is time for bye-bye-bye. You know the strategy by now. It's not a can't lose. It's not a can't draw. It's a must win for the Americans today against Iran. They need all three points to advance out of the group stage in Group B into the round of 16 at the World Cup. They need to score. They need to provide a ton of offense on the attack early, often, and for all of the 90-plus minutes against Iran, who will play a defensive style against Team USA because Iran advances with just a draw today against the Americans. I look at Captain America. I look at Christian Pulisic, a man that has carried the soccer hopes of this nation pretty much for the entirety of his career to be that offensive piece today. Three or more shots for Christian Pulisic. Not on target, just three or more shots minus one 25. I expect him to lead this attack. I expect him to live up to his nickname as Captain America. And I believe that we will win. I got goosebumps already. Let's go, USA. I'm fired up for that match at the 2022 World Cup. It kicks off at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. We'll be back at 9 a.m. Eastern Time tomorrow on a Wednesday on the morning after. I'm Ben Stevens. We'll talk to you.